Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We're back with another PW Torch VIP podcast vault for Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. And today we jump back to a Wade Keller hotline from December 30th. 2004, just over 18 years ago. And in this update, I talked about the wrestling industry without ECW and WCW and looked ahead to what might be next. Talked about Samoa Joe's ROH world title loss to Austin Aries, Samoa Joe's prospects of getting a job with WWE, how possible was a Mick Foley Samoa Joe match in ROH coming out of their angle over the weekend, who's pitching for jobs in WWE for ROH wrestlers, and why ROH doesn't have reason to be concerned about losing top wrestlers. Also, what Mick Foley's relationship was like with WWE at that time, the very latest on Brock Lesnar's status with WWE, and why he had less leverage at that point than he did when he first left. Also, why Monty Brown knows what the right thing to say is to impress WWE. Some details on the WWE creative shakeup and more, all packed into about 23 minutes. This was the final Wade Keller hotline of 2004. Up next here on the PW Torch VIP podcast vault, we move into the year 2005. But first things first, the final Wade Keller hotline of 2004. This is Wade Keller with a VIP audio update for Thursday, December 30th. But I don't have a chance to talk to you before tomorrow. I want to wish all of you a happy and safe new year. Uh, it's been a fun 2004, uh, up and down, but I think after the uh, turmoil and uncertainty following WCW and ECW going out of business, uh, the wrestling industry has hit a bit of a, in this country, has, has hit a bit of a stride, I guess. Not a uh, overly successful stride. There's still some ominous signs of uh, attendance drops and buy rate drops, but overall... There is a feeling right now that there's enough to there's enough going on in the U.S. landscape to uh, kind of keep all of us occupied who do enjoy wrestling and will the rest of our lives uh, between WWE's two brands, uh, TNA, which is shaky headed into 2005, but in some ways maybe on better ground than they were headed into 2004 because they have a more viable game plan as long as they have the money at this point that they're willing to stick it out and try to make it work and uh, try to get on a better uh, time slot or station eventually. Although I do think the Saturday night midnight slot's going to help quite a bit. And uh, Ring of Honor, uh, giving the most inner core, hardcore fans uh, a lot of what they're looking for. I don't think it matters to wrestling fans who are looking for the wrestling fix, whether a videotape that they get in the mail from Ring of Honor is seen by uh, 500,000 people or 500 people. 
uh, or watched in a building full of 500 people or 15,000 people. What matters is Ring of Honor is delivering really good wrestling, and there's going to be a lot of indie wrestlers out there uh, for a long time to come who want to be part of something like Ring of Honor, where they know that their matches matter and that they're on tape and DVD for posterity, and that they get to uh, really be, uh, practice their craft in front uh, in in front of fans who appreciate it and with other wrestlers who are uh, students of the game like they are. And and between those three and and an overall uh, still somewhat active indie scene. I mean AJ Styles has every weekend booked for a couple years practically. Um, the top indie wrestlers are still getting work and uh, able to make a decent living out there. Uh, there, it's, it's not a bad situation headed into 2005, and I think for the Torch, it looks like a very good year also, uh, with some fun things on the horizon that uh, we'll be finding out about um, in the next few months. Let's get to uh, news. First of all, we're talking about ROH, because they were uh, one of the big stories this week was Samoa Joe losing the Ring of Honor world title, holding the belt about 21 months. Um, just a phenomenal title reign. It's one of those things, I, I want to do an article on it for the newsletter, and just kind of look back at uh, the beginning of the title reign and, and the feelings about Samoa Joe at that time. I mean, he was a mid-card ROH champion, basically. Uh, the title didn't mean as much as as it, it... The title did not mean as much at the beginning of his reign as it did midway through, and the title meant even more at the end. Um, it's an interesting strategy, giving Austin Aries the title. Um, Aries and Joe had, from all reports, a phenomenal match. Derek Bergen's got a detailed report up on the website along with another Torch correspondent in the Arena Report section. Uh, it wasn't a super long match, and I think that's good. I, I don't think ROH should peg themselves uh, as a promotion where you need to have the patience to watch a 35, 45, or 60, or in one case this year, a 75-minute match. Um, I think there's nothing wrong with a really, really good 17, 18-minute match. It sounds like Joe and Aries had a very good match that was less than 20 minutes, and... Uh, that's fine. I mean, I think ROH should appeal to all types of fans with different match lengths. And I also think it's vital, absolutely vital, for 40-minute matches to work. 40, for 40-minute 40 ROH main event matches to really work, they need to have big matches and sometimes at the 17-minute mark. Because if every big main event match in ROH goes longer than 25 minutes, no one's going to buy into near falls at the 12-minute mark and the 17-minute mark and the 20-minute mark. Now they've conditioned fans if they with a shorter match, if the match times I've seen on this are correct, and, uh, and convince them a pinfall can take place at any time. Um, I've always thought that. I don't think you should rip fans off with a 4-minute main event or an 8-minute main event, and I think 12 minutes is pushing it. But once you get about 15 minutes, as long as you've got a good overall show, I think you can get away with it. Now, giving Aries the belt. Aries is a real fun wrestler to watch. I, I, I'll be interested to see how he does, how long he holds the belt, what kind of opponents he has, and what kind of reputation he builds as a champion. Gabe Sapolsky sees enough in him to have him be that that one wrestler who unseated Samoa Joe from one of the great world title reigns of this era. And I feel bad for uh, wrestling fans who did not experience it as it happened, or any of it, uh, but it's there on DVD at ROHwrestling.com uh, to be experienced. And it's one of those things where, you know, Samoa Joe, you don't, Rush Limbaugh used to always say this back in the 80s um, when I listened to him and I could tolerate him. Um, he would say, you know, you have to listen to our radio show for, I think he said, three weeks or six weeks before you can understand it. So just listen to us for however many weeks, he said, before trying to make any judgments because it takes that long to get it. 
And with Samoa Joe, there's a little bit of that. It's not saying that you can't sit down and watch the first, your first Samoa Joe match and go, I get this guy, I love him, and I want to order more matches of him. But there are, there are certain types of fans, and also certain Samoa Joe matches, where you might not get it the first time. That's how Brian Danielson is, too. Um, and it doesn't mean that you have to study anything or, or, or be a certain type of fan, but when you start watching more of Samoa Joe, you start getting it. You start seeing why he's different um, in the way he approaches things, why there's a certain realism, a certain self-assured attitude, a certain toughness, and he doesn't do flashy high spots. And you're not going to, you know, other than his uh, ole ole kick, the charging knee, uh, outside the ring, there's not a lot of moves where you just think, yeah, those are the signature flashy moves that a Jack Evans has or or even a Chris Jericho lion salt. Um, but the more you see him, the more you get him, and the more you look forward to the next match he has. Now, if Austin Aries keeps the belt for a while, great, that's possible. Gabe Sapolsky, you don't know uh, what's up his sleeve. Uh, but you do, there uh, is a possibility that Austin Aries will be a transition champion. You get the belt on CM Punk. CM Punk is very popular. He's clearly established himself as a main event guy. He's friends with Samoa Joe. He's friends with Gabe Sapolsky. Um, he's part of the core group of wrestlers in Ring of Honor, certainly uh, very much near the top, and, and as much a student of the game as Triple H is. Um, and a world title reign, a Ring of Honor, ROH world title reign, may be what CM Punk needs in order to uh, firm up his chance of getting to WWE. As much as world titles and, and all titles sometimes are treated as just props or, you know, hey, the promoter decides who wins, so what does it matter? You're more likely to catch the eye of WWE and, and more likely just in general to be taken seriously by fans if you're the wrestler who the promoter has entrusted with the major position of being the world champion main event draw. So it wouldn't shock me to see CM Punk end up beating Austin Aries for the title maybe sooner than later. But this does, uh, that videotape of Samojo losing the belt, especially with all the uh, hype for the match and the praise for it, is going to sell well. Uh, it sounds like a show that would be a good first show for a lot of new Ring of Honor fans. Um, the question now, though, is will Samojo end up in WWE? Mick Foley, who's been part of these Ring of Honor shows, he loves doing it. I mean, Mick Foley loves wrestling. He loves being part of the business. He loves being part of the backstage atmosphere. He loves the adulation of the crowd. He's been a pretty big part of Ring of Honor the last few months, and another reason to order the tapes. I mean, anytime Foley's featured on these ROH tapes, you're seeing top-level, unscripted Mick Foley. Um, his debate with Rick Steamboat that turned into a, a Ric Flair uh, insult fest uh, was real fun to watch. And it looks like, uh, from what I've read, his confrontation with Samoa Joe uh, on this last show in Philadelphia on Sunday is also one to look at. They set the stage for a Samoa Joe McFoley match. Now, that's not going to take place in WWE, even if WWE hires Samoa Joe, which we'll talk about in a second. But there is interest within ROH to get McFoley to do a match for them. That would be very special. McFoley doesn't do a lot of matches. And so when he does wrestle, it's big news. He's a free agent. He can do what he wants, where he wants. That's the relationship he wanted. He wanted to be free of that WWE contract. He wanted to be his own boss. He has an open door to work for WWE whenever he wants, as often as he wants. Um, he is on a special level as a performer with Vince McMahon, who, who uh, adores and trusts Mick Foley despite some clashes they've had in the past, and they've got an agreement. Mick Foley paid his dues and, uh, and was paid well, but uh, contributed greatly to WWE, and he now gets to be a free agent and get big payoffs for WWE uh, you know, pretty much whenever he wants to show up uh, and be part of something. 
But that also frees him up to work for Ring of Honor, and Vince McMahon doesn't seem to have a problem with that. Um, I don't think he feels the least bit threatened by Ring of Honor from people I talked to within WWE. Uh, some people in WWE are very aware of Ring of Honor and are fans. But most people, even in power, who you would think would know about Ring of Honor, still it hasn't quite clicked with them what it is or what's going on. They just know it's a, it's a promotion that's drawing you know, 350 fans here, 600 fans there, and, and 1,100 fans in that building. And, you know, it's just, it's just not something that's on their radar necessarily, given that, you know, they're trying to book international tours and working out TV deals where millions of people are watching them. It's just not a big deal. Um, all of that said, the, Mick Foley has not agreed to work a match for Ring of Honor yet. They're twisting his arm. They're trying to persuade him to do so. And the latest indications are he's starting to come around a little bit and think, yeah, Maybe it'd be a fun thing to do. Mick Foley takes great pride in being a star maker or a star elevator. Uh, he, he often mentions this year how he feels Randy Orton got over because of the program he worked with Foley, uh, dating back to a year ago and at WrestleMania. And he thinks that, you know, he gets credit for doing that. He thinks that he is a strong enough star who does not appear so often that he gets watered down and loses... That special, that special drawing power he has, something that Steve Austin um, did not handle well uh, when he was in his semi-retirement or retirement phase of his career, being on TV every single week and getting those pops coming out, worked for a while, but eventually he kind of ran out of things to do. And it burned him out a little bit. He lost some of his star power. Foley did not do that. Foley's very careful. He picks and chooses what he does. He's very careful with what he involves himself in. But he's a big fan of Samoa Joe. And if he has a match outside of WWE... It's probably going to be against Samoa Joe. They did an angle where uh, they got in a physical confrontation um, at the show in Philadelphia. But from what I hear, unless I'm being uh, kayfabed, as I say on this, and they're trying to keep it a deep, dark secret, uh, Foley has not agreed to work a match with Joe yet. And, and that's fine. Gabe Sapolsky knows how to work around that. He did with Punk and CM Punk and Rick Steamboat. He did it with Mick Foley and Mick Steamboat. Rick Steamboat. There are ways to uh, sell tickets and sell videotapes without somebody actually wrestling by featuring them and incorporating other wrestlers. Now, what is WWE's interest in Samoa Joe? It's not great, uh, but that's because they don't know enough about him, um, the main people in power. But that doesn't mean <coughs> that he isn't on the radar screen. He is. And Rick Steamboat and Mick Foley are two of three or four or five people within WWE uh, who are aware enough of Joe and will have at least some influence that he may have an in sometime within the first six months in two th of 2005. Rick Steamboat outright said backstage at Philadelphia's ROH show that he wants to, he's going to put in the good word for Samoa Joe. And, uh, and he also said he's going to put in the good word for everybody in Ring of Honor when WWE comes to wherever they're from. And Ring of Honor is wrestlers from all over the country. Um, I mean, Jimmy Rave and, and Matt Stryker and, and Samoa Joe and uh, Austin Aries and, and uh, the uh, Havana Pitbulls, they're, they're from all over the place. They're not just from one part of the country. And WWE, whenever they come to that part of the country um, that a wrestler lives in, if they're not doing a Ring of Honor show, and for TV tapings they usually aren't because TV tapings are Monday, Tuesday, Ring of Honor doesn't run those days, Steamboat said he's going to push to give them a tryout match, a dark match. Matt Stryker got one this week. Um believe it was in, uh, um, where was the taping? Arizona was a house show. Um, or was Arizona Smackdown? I guess Arizona was Glendale. Nope, I'm wrong. 
<laughs> um, uh, Raw was in Glendale, the uh, Raw house show. So the uh, TV taping, uh, well, I shouldn't ramble about this because I don't know where it was. Anyway, the uh, when when they come to town, they're going to uh, oh New Orleans. There we go. When they come to town, they're going. The Steamboat's going to try to get them a shot tr trying out for WWE. So Steamboat's going to be basically an ambassador for Ring of Honor. And he even gave the WWE, or the Ring of Honor wrestlers tips on how to impress WWE if they do get a dark match, and in general, how to develop their style. I was talking to one Ring of Honor wrestler who just said, you know, there's a lot of wrestlers around here who are indie wrestlers, and they wrestle a certain style that works on the indie scene. But they don't know that there is a difference. Even though they watch WWE all the time, it doesn't really click with them how they need to wrestle in order to impress WWE officials and have a chance to make it there. And Steamboat basically gave them a clinic on it based on what he's learned in his month with WWE. He passed along that wisdom and that knowledge uh, to the Ring of Honor wrestlers. Now, one wrestler I talked to said it was real informative and helpful. Another wrestler I talked to said he didn't tell us anything we didn't already know and that wasn't obvious. So I guess it really depends on the wrestler um, how, how that comes across. But uh, Steamboat very much being an ambassador... Uh, he's going to put in the good word for Smojo and CM Punk, by the way. Smojo and CM Punk are good friends. They both are, uh, I mean, everybody in Ring of Honor is rooting for them to make it to WWE because even though they'd hate to lose them, there's a feeling right now that they might be able to get AJ Styles back and AJ might be just short enough to not be of interest to WWE. They might be able to get Brian Daniels, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Christopher Daniels back. And they've got a deep roster as it is, and it's, it's a good, it's a good uh, deep indie scene right now when it comes to wrestlers who ROH can utilize. I don't think they're really all that worried about losing Samoa Joe or uh, or CM Punk. I mean, they've, they've lost key wrestlers before and have done just fine uh, recovering. It, it actually freshens things up. I mean, there's only so many things you can do with certain wrestlers. But then again, if, if Joe and Punk stick around for another two years, I don't think they're going to have I don't think that Gabe's going to be shedding tears or moving them down to the, to, to the uh, early card matches or, or not using them. But nevertheless, they're not fearing losing them. And, and Punk and Joe are two people at the top of the list right now who people are pushing to get WWE jobs. Uh, Monty Brown uh, talked to uh, Between the Ropes Radio, I believe it was, and he seems to know exactly the, the right thing to say uh, to get WWE management's interest because he talked about how he wants to wrestle in 80s style with a modern twist. And that's really what agents in WWE preach to wrestlers. They, right now, their their policy is work the mat holds. Now, some wrestlers go into chin locks and headlocks and they lose all their heat, but they feel they have to because they're doing what management tells them to. And then other wrestlers, and you, you might notice this, they're starting to learn new mat holds. The feeling is don't do non-stop high spots. That makes sense. Um, don't just stand up and start punching somebody and not do transitions like is a problem with that, that Sabu has had all the time, that, that has caused uh, a lot of people who are work-rate fiends to look at, at Sabu and go, he's exciting, but he can't tell a story in a match because he never slows down, and he never grabs a, he never grabs a hold at the right time. Um, and you'll know those wrestlers now are starting to learn better, move, better holds or a wider variety of holds than just a chin lock and a headlock because they know we have to do these mat holds as per management's instructions, but the, we lose the crowd when we go to a headlock or chin lock like Rene Dupree always does or John Cena. And so now they're trying to learn new twists on those holds. Anyway, Monty Brown saying all the right things in the radio interview um, when it comes to wanting WWE management to go, hey, that maybe this guy gets it. 
the latest on Brock Lesnar is that there is no progress. Um, he uh, has been, uh, you know, there have been talks between WWE and Lesnar, but not as of last word with Vince McMahon. We had that in last week's newsletter. Vince is not returning his calls. Lesnar still has certain demands. He's still got an, an attitude problem. When Lesnar left WWE, when he first negotiated his departure, he was on better terms than he is now. Why is that? Well, one big reason is, when he left, WWE management didn't know for sure that he wasn't going to make an NFL team and wasn't going to be a good football player. They had their doubts. In fact, most people seriously doubted he would make an NFL team. But they thought there was a possibility he would and that he would become a superstar in the NFL as a result. So they had to kind of, you know, not kiss up to him, but be a little more uh, uh, tempered in their criticism of him. Well, now that he's a washout in the NFL and he's out of options, he has no leverage, and now he's seen as a NFL wannabe who couldn't make it, it's not exactly a selling point when you're trying to be a crossover celebrity. WWE management from Vince McMahon on down feel that they don't need Brock, that Brock needs them, and that Brock did himself more damage than good. Even though more people know who he is, they see him as a guy who couldn't make it in the NFL. He's better off not trying out for the NFL and being known as a former NCAA amateur wrestling champion who moved to uh, the WWE than he is as an NFL washout who can even make a practice squad. So, he has no leverage. That's a point he's at. And the latest betting line is, unless he has a drastic attitude change and, a, and, and, and all of a sudden wants to work a full-time schedule and pay his dues all over again, the odds of him uh, being brought back anytime soon are not good at all. Uh, do not expect uh, Brock Lesnar WrestleMania appearance at this point. There were uh, so, some, I, I don't know if it's major or minor changes, I guess it depends on how you look at, in the uh, way the WWF writing team operates. The uh, new managing editor of the TV uh, writing team, Tom Shehack, has decided to recombine the writing teams to a certain extent. They're still listed as, as separate entities, but they're, they work together now more often than, any, than at any time since the crews were split. Uh, they actually participate in each other's conference calls to a certain degree, which is, I guess is one of Paul Heyman's defenses for sneaking in on a conference call. Um, Dave Lagana is still the lead writer of SmackDown. Brian Gewertz still the top writer on Raw, but Gewertz clearly has more power than Lagana, and uh, actually um, Lagana or uh, Gewertz looks over Lagana's writing uh, beforehand, and it doesn't work the other way around. So, um, so anyway, I, it's probably not. It's it's more of a logistical fine tuning behind the scenes that drastically affects the lives of some of the writers, but or you know pretty pretty drastically does. But otherwise, isn't a big deal. There are, I guess, only if you can use that word, fifteen pay per view scheduled for WWE in two thousand five. Not one pay per view scheduled for March. Uh, the schedule's been out a while. Uh, to a certain degree, but now the complete uh, lineup with all the names, except the October 30th SmackDown event doesn't have a name, is all out, and at least WWE is not doing two pay-per-views most months. They're only doing two pay-per-views three of the months. There had been consideration to going up to 20 pay-per-views a month, and uh, having four months without two pay-per-views, and eight months where there was one for each brand. I think WWE realized that that was just, you know, it was watering things down way too much and it's just too much money to ask their, ask their fans to spend and that they're better off putting their time and effort into overseas tours than they are overbooking pay-per-views so that's good news on that front 
That is it for today. Thanks so much for being a VIP member and listening to the audio updates. If you've got any thoughts on anything I've said in today's update, go ahead and jump to the VIP forum, the message board area, and uh, and start a discussion. We want to hear your thoughts on some of our year-end awards. This week's Torch newsletter, which will be posted online very soon. We're a little late this week. Uh, we'll have the uh, results of the MVP, uh, Best Wrestler of the Year, Best Babyface, Best Heel, Best TV Show. Um, and I think one other category. So uh, we welcome your feedback on that. Plus, we're taking nominations for uh, Best Pay-Per-View of the Year in the VIP forum right now. And we've got a poll-up that uh, Chris Benoit is running away with, uh, which is Reader's Pick for MVP of the Year. Um, I thought it would be a little closer uh, with Benoit and a few others, including Eddie Guerrero, but it's not. He's running away with it, but go ahead and take a look either at the results, or, or better yet, also vote, and uh, let your voice be heard, and uh, and we'll be acknowledging those results and running other polls on the website uh, for other major categories of the Torch Awards. We will talk to you next time.